Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This episode of Rise Up is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. If you would like to try a new look or maybe you've been looking for some new skincare, I'm your girl, guys. Search the hashtag MinuteWithMary. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Rise Up. It's a podcast dedicated to the smash Broadway hit Hamilton. So sit back, relax, and let's raise a glass to freedom. Everybody, how's it going? My name is Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I have been dying for this episode. I've been I think this episode is the reason why I wanted to do this podcast. Really? Like this is the one. When I when I think about it, this is the one that gets me jazzed. This is this is the episode that makes me feel alive. <laughs> good. Good. Well, why? I, well, you know, for those of you who listen to us quite often, you know that I am a big fan of uh, villains. I'm a big fan of antagonists. You should like be watching The Descendants then with our children all the time, not me. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, I don't like children of dece- uh, of uh, of villains. I just like villains. Uh, no, villains I think make great stories. Uh, and well, villains and antagonists uh, make great stories. Uh, without them, there'd be no juice. There'd be no, there'd be no oomph. It'd be boring. And it's great to watch happy things and 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 be happy and and just appreciate the world and love it and say, yay, all is great. But every once in a while, I'm sorry, Mary, you need a good Slytherin. You're a wizard, Harry. You need a Slytherin to make things interesting. And in my opinion, Burr is a fantastic Slytherin. Uh, so, oh man, I just, I, this, this is it, man. The, the, and I, I just find that Burr is the best part of the, the whole musical, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the end. Um, how about you? Where, where do you stand on, on Aaron Burr as a character within the musical itself? Love to hate him, man. Love <laughs> to hate him. <laughs> yes. Well, we will be talking about Aaron Burr quite a bit in this episode as, it's all about him and really his relationship to Alexander Hamilton. But before we get into the rest of this episode, I want to let you know that you can find us at MaryandBlake.com mm-hmm. where we have all of our other podcasts, uh, including This Is Us Too, which is coming back up very soon. And we also have Game of Thrones, Gilmore Girls, Minute with Mary has a podcast. We have so many podcasts. You, I ran out of fingers to count them on. Uh, so you can find them all on uh, maryandblake.com as well as all of our blogs uh, Minute Mid with Mary um, uh, the Mary and Blake blog the Handmaid's Diaries it's all there and you can find us on social media at Mary and Blake with Instagram uh, with 
Facebook, with Twitter, YouTube. It's all there. Just search Mary and Blake. Marvin, are you ready to get into this, uh, <laughs> into the episode that makes my heart beat? Sure I am. All right, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready for a cabinet meeting? Huh? The issue on the table. So, of course, today we're talking about why Hamilton the Musical should actually be called Burr. Well, at least that's why. In Blake's opinion. (laughs) (laughs) We joke about it, how it could have been called Burr, how so much of the musical depends upon Burr the narrator, Burr the antagonist, heck, Burr killing Alexander Hamilton. So, let's dive in. Yeah, so I always think about this. I, I think about shows and movies often and why no. certain I know so no. why, why certain shows and movies are amazing right um the dark knight is like it's world stoppingly good and it's not because of christian bale and all that other stuff and all mm-hmm. the great cool things it's because of heath ledger and the joker silence of the lambs won best picture in 1992 i, I think it was 92 and it beat Dances with Wolves. Oh, did it beat Dances with Wolves? I forget. Ta-tunga. Oh, no, it beat JFK. It beat JFK for Best Picture. Why? Not because of Jodie Foster, but because of um, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. Uh, all in the, These are just two small examples. All of these shows and films have great antagonists. And again, the, the antagonist is the fruit of the story. And I think about Hamilton in those terms. What makes Hamilton so good? Is it because of Lin-Manuel Miranda and his writing? Yes. Is it because of the choreography and the staging and the costumes? Yes. Is it because it, Hamilton is a cool story itself? Yes. But what makes what what is the straw that stirs the drink? And that, in my opinion, is Aaron Burr. And that is why Hamilton succeeds so well, because the antagonist-protagonist relationship is perfect. Now delve into that. You're not calling him a villain, no. even though, as you were saying, you love villains and you love antagonists. So, what exactly is the difference? Okay, so let's put it this way: um, a villain is something that is just one-dimensional. It's like a, a serial killer. It's someone that has one thing in mind, and that is death, destruction, and hate. And I just want to kill for I want to kill for the sake of killing. There's no other things that happen. Villains would be something like Michael Myers, uh, Jaws. Jaws is a villain. Uh, Jason Voorhees, a villain. Um, who else is a villain? You just think of those kinds of characters. They are Jafar. Jafar. No, Jafar is not a villain, okay? If you see the live action one. Whoa, whoa, the the cartoon Jafar (laughs) is a villain. The live action Jafar is an antagonist. And clear that up. um, The antagonist is something far different than a villain. It's someone who has a certain goal that makes sense, but they are doing it in a way that is out of our comprehension they're doing it because they think that it's right and it's either shared or it's opposed to from the antagonist mm-hmm. like they, they either they have the same goal and they're just going about it a different way or they have two totally different goals but those two goals go against each other and the antagonist 
has it has more than just I hate the world for hating the world or or that style. There are levels. There are mixtures that are at at play that make him or her or something a real force to be reckoned with. Uh, they have to be flawed. They have to be trying to get something or gaining something. They have to be intelligent. They have to be adaptable. They have to be worthy adversaries of the of the protagonist. Mm. And it has to be compelling. And you have to understand where the person is coming from when they're talking about their goal. For example, when you think of um, Killmonger uh, in The Black Panther, right? He is. I didn't know that was his name. Yeah, that's that's his. That's Killmonger. His name. Yeah. Um, oh, I think it's a fishmonger. No. Um, he he is trying to open up the world to Wakanda to help the people of the world, but he's doing it in a way that is really bad, and he's yeah. trying to enslave people. Yeah. Whereas, and he, and he is the moral opposite to the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is in Black Panther, it happens. Kill, Killmonger's, uh, his, his goal is attained. Wakanda is, is given up to the world. It is there. People, they, are, they can benefit from it. So that's what I'm saying. The, his, the goals may be right. Thanos. Thanos wants to save the universe. He wants to save the universe, which makes sense. He wants to, he wants to preserve life. But his method in doing it is really bad. He wants to do it in a snap. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he wants to take out half the universe's population. Now that obviously isn't a good thing. But his, his goal is understandable. Those are antagonists. So that's the difference between a villain and an antagonist. And, and I like the, the, the antagonist-protagonist relationship because usually they're reversals. They are the mirrors of each other. And I would say that Hamilton and Burr are really true mirrors of each other. Mm. Would you agree with this or would you disagree? Um, mirror is a tough word because, of course, I feel like that means that they would be uh, much alike on a lot of paths. And... Is mirror the same thing as foil? Because foils are very mirror-like. Like, you know, if it's not crumpled. You know, when you take out a nice sheet of foil. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes, I will. Actually, let's, let's, let's think look about it, up it. Right Their now. upbringing was different. We have Burr, who ends up falling in love with a married woman of a British soldier, not just like some, some totally single girl who's down with the Americans. Um, you know, it's... Alexander and Burr, I find them very different. Are they on, do they have a lot of the same end goals? Like, are they kind of trying to go to the same place? Yes. Mm -hmm. But their upbringing was different, how they get to those new big spots. Like, shown in the play, you know, when Burr's trying to talk with George Washington. George Washington's like, whatever, man. You're talking too much. Like, bye. (laughs) Close the door on your way out. Close the door on your way out. Um, So... Mirror is, I don't necessarily see mirror. I just see worthy competition. Well, how about we do this? Uh, foil, the proper definition of foil, as uh, given to me by Professor Wikipedia. Uh, in fiction, Always a, trust. a foil is a character who contrasts with another character, usually the protagonist, to highlight qualities of the other character. In some cases, a subplot can be used as a foil to the main plot. This is especially true in the case of metafiction and the story within a story motif. 
The word foil comes from the old practice of backing gems with foil to make them shine more brightly. What? Imagine that. Who would do that? Like, who has gems that are like... These things don't look sparkly enough. <laughs> I'm gonna put some aluminum foil right there. Gonna go to the go to the cupboard, get me some foil. I know it's gonna make that shine. It's gonna make it look wicked. That's good. something that our son would do. He's six. <laughs> I know. Uh, so I think foil would be a relatively appropriate term. Uh, for both Hamilton and Burr, as a matter of fact, um, but I, the relationship between the two again is, I think, what stirs the whole drink here, uh, and I think that's why, again, as we said in our last episode, it was, it was, it was literally a genius move to have Burr be the narrator for the whole story. Agreed, because they're telling you right up front who is going to be. And what the problem is going to be. And I, I like that because you get to expect you get to expect the story as it comes to you and you know what's going to happen for the most part. Well, and having Burr be the narrator too adds this interesting element because he's in a majority of the scenes because he has so many common interactions with Alexander Hamilton and because of that Burr is able to while he's on stage transition for us you know this is a very complex musical show like there is very little break for those of you who haven't been able to see it it's very much like Les Mis like it just goes what you hear on the soundtrack is what you're going to see on stage they might stop a little bit for laughter but that's pretty much it and frequently those transitions you know, there are people behind him maybe moving a piece of furniture or people might moving around while Burr takes center stage to help transition us and show us a different side. Yep. So we see things with Alexander singing, but then Burr says, all right, you saw that, but here's the other side of it. Here's sure. the cocky side of it. Here's the, you know, side that <laughs> I see. Right, and the, since they're both playing for... I think a similar goal, which is what we'll get into. And I think the similar goal is legacy. Um, they're both playing for the same thing. And Mary, you, you, you were very astute when you said Burr shows you the opposite of everything that Hamilton does. It doesn't deify mm-hmm. Hamilton. And, and like we said, since Burr is the narrator and since they come up to you straight up and they tell you what the story is going to be about at the very beginning of the show, at the very beginning, they give you a baseline from which you can operate. And we're going to play some sound here. We're going to play oh, a lot of sound yay. throughout. This is a f- I like sound. I like sound, too. We're going to play a lot of sound from the show in this episode because it, it, I think it highlights the point. And, it's better than us singing it. Right. Yeah. You don't want us to <laughs> sing this. Mary could sing it. I could not. It's one of the commandments of Mary and Blake. Blake is not supposed to sing uh, the Mary and Blake podcasts. Agreed. So, yeah, they Burr is the one who shows you the opposite side of Alexander Hamilton. While we're talking, let me offer you some free advice. Talk less. What? Smile more. <laughs> Don't let them know what you're against or what you're for. You can't be serious. You wanna get ahead. Yes. Fools who run their mouths off wind up dead. So they're telling you right at the beginning, Burr is reserved. Hamilton runs his mouth, and those who run their mouths wind up 
dead at the very beginning of the show. They're telling you the end. And they're framing for you the entire device of these two guys. Burr doesn't say nothing. Hamilton says too much. And they're going to end up in a clash. Mm -hmm. And it's great because they start off as friends, at least within the show, right? They start off friendly. They start off at a place where Hamilton admires Burr. Hey, you Aaron Burr, sir? Yeah. Like, whoa. Like, He's like, an, well, the same. You're an orphan. I'm an orphan. God, Yay. I wish I wish there was some more that we could prove that we're worth more uh, than you, anyone bargained for. Hey. Yeah, I'm, I'm not allowed to sing. You're right. We're, we're the same. And we are the same, but they're so very different. It reminds me so much of when Draco Malfoy meets Harry Potter, you know, on the stairs of Hogwarts. You're a wizard, Harry. About to enter the Great Hall, and he's like, oh, Potter, you should be my friend. I'm important, Potter. And that's what I feel like Hamilton's like in the beginning. He's like, Burr, oh my God, man, we're both orphans. We're both here. This is so great. And then he finds out that Burr doesn't really believe in anything. And he's like, whoa, 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 man. You're making fun of Weasley. Right. What you, do you know? <laughs> Calm down. I can choose my own friends. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my God. What? You're such a dork. It's great. Thank you. I love it. I love it. And I think one of the, the main things of having a, an antagonist, a, a one that is worthy of a protagonist, is that the antagonist himself, it, Burr is special because he is powerful. Burr is special because he does have talent. He does succeed in his life. He does do the right things. But again, he does it in different ways. And in the end, well, not in the end, but I think one of the main driving forces for Burr, what what pushes him so hard Mm -hmm. um, against Hamilton, even subconsciously, is that Burr has a feeling of uh, inequity. He doesn't feel equal. He doesn't know how to handle that because he's grown up his entire life with money, with education. Uh, His parents were well-respected. Not scrappy. Not scrappy. He was New England elite. And here comes this kid who just happens to show up. And and, And Hamilton doesn't give a damn about anything or anybody except what he thinks is right. He thinks it is right. And would you say that Burr is jealous of Hamilton? Or would you say that Burr has, he feels like he's not up to the task like Hamilton is? Would you agree with that? I mean, I think he's completely jealous of Hamilton. Completely. In what way? Okay. Um, I have this upbringing. I was trained for this. This guy comes in out of nowhere, loose lips, just, but but yet he's getting everything that I want. And if I had done those things, I'd have been stumbling all over myself. Like, I have worked so hard for this. Mm-hmm. I'm doing things right, quotes. Mm-hmm. At least the way that he believes yeah. them to be. And this guy's getting it. I mean, just today, Blake, you were having a conversation about listening to a podcast about this woman who's in an industry, um, similar to mine, who's like, oh, my goal is to make $10 million a year. One month, I made 120000 in a month. And Blake's like, are you kidding? Blake literally spoke to me on the phone and was like, I cannot believe this. This woman made 120000 a year. What the heck are we doing? How is she able to do this? And I think that when you are doing work that is similar to other people, it's not... 
like it's completely understandable that you sit there and you're jealous. Right. It's this jealousy I think that drives him. I think it's the jealousy that makes him scared. It make and and it scares him to the point I think of almost paralysis within this story. Pat, his voice is so good. Hamilton doesn't hesitate. He exhibits no restraint. Takes and he takes and he takes and he keeps winning anyway. Changes the game, plays and he raises the stakes. And if there's a reason, he seems to thrive. And so few survived. And goddammit, I'm willing to wait for it. I'm willing to wait for it. So he's. It, it, that paralysis, that wait for it. I have everything to lose, and this kid has nothing to yep. lose. And he just does whatever the hell he wants. What is it like? What is it like to be in his shoes? This is the motivating factor for for Burr for the entire time. I think that is such a tragic and beautiful thing. I, I, I often, like you said, Mary, I often think about that stuff in in my own life. I, I, I think about, God, what is it like? What is it like to just be in that person's shoes where they're just doing whatever the hell they feel like and they can have a conversation, they can do whatever the hell they want, they can say whatever the hell they want, and nothing ever happens to them. They don't. Let's be real, though. We all know that's not the truth, okay? This is like the Instagram envy, where we look at people's lives, and we're like, oh my gosh, their kids are so happy, their house is clean, they're going on vacations, and little do you know that your husband's sleeping with Maria Reynolds, okay? <laughs> Mariah. He, Mariah, I whatever. Got you. I got you. Mariah Carey. <laughs> I, I literally always tell myself it's Maria. Cause the yeah, because that's the way it looks, actually. Well, and the only Mariah I know is Mariah Carey. Oh, okay. I got you. I don't want a lot for Christmas. I got so, you. Yeah. No, this is this is Burr. This is Burr being, you know, a 32-year-old woman scrolling on Instagram wondering why <laughs> her, her house, her white sheets, and her bedding doesn't look as perfect as the influencers that she's looking at. I mean, this is just the whole comparison game, but back in 1776. Mm-hmm. I got you. Um, and... But the, the the thing is, eventually, Burr is the kind of guy that overcomes what he overcomes. And he, he goes through the war, and yeah, Washington tells him, close the door behind you, and the whole thing. And he doesn't become Washington's right-hand man like, uh, like Alexander does. He becomes a, a successful lawyer. Even Hamilton admits it to him. What? It reminds me just of like... When you are in love with someone Mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm perfect for you. I'm literally perfect for you. This is what you want. Here I am. (laughs) And they choose someone else. Yeah, that sucks. That's that's a sucky feeling. (laughs) Has it ever happened to you? That did. Uh, It did happen. It it happened. Yes, it happened to me in college. I happened on the other way. I was the George Washington. It was really weird. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, no, trust me. I don't want you. I'm all set. I don't like the way you smell. (laughs) (laughs) You need to be 
honestly attracted to a person's scent. Yes, it's you just, have to be. It's a thing. It's, Maybe Washington didn't like up or smelled. I, I, you know what? They they were in a war and they were fighting in the muck and the mud so and the blood and. Yeah, I doubt that they all so smell stinky. good at, at any rate. Um, <laughs> the and you know it's this it's this ideology that these two have. It's this it's this uh, thing between them where Hamilton goes and does whatever he wants, at least according to Burr's perspective, and Burr tries to do the right thing. I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to be patient. Everyone around me that I've loved has died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Theodosia because I waited for it. I, I, di- I didn't go out and parade her around. I didn't do all these things. She became mine because I waited for her. I waited out her husband in Georgia. And now she's mine. And I have a daughter. I'm going to do all the great things. And I waited for it. My legacy, it's here. I'm, I've completed it. And eventually becomes to a part where these two are going to have to collide at some point they collide and collide they do when they start when they start talking about the federalist papers so is independence we have to start somewhere no no way you're making a mistake good night hey what are you waiting for what do you stall for what we won the war what was it all for do you support this constitution of course then defend it and what if you're backing the wrong horse burr studied and we fought and we killed for the notion of a nation we now get to build for once in your life take a stand with pride i don't understand how you stand to the side see right there it is that is a perfect example what are you doing i don't understand how you stand to the side now this isn't the full climax of their of their relationship this is not how this is not the breaking point but this is what sets them on this path yeah this is when you find out that your friend voted completely opposite of you in the in the 2016 uh, presidential election and you had no idea yes this is when you sit there and you go wait what okay um let's discuss this <laughs> wow i thought we were on the same page we were not let's talk this through mm-hmm I agree. And and this is when also Burr starts to see Hamilton as his foe. Because again, we, we started off at the beginning of them being friends. They're, they're different ideologies. They're going about a different way. And it's at this point too in nonstop where Burr is singing, how do you write like you're running out of time? How do you write like you need it to survive? Now, a lot of people take that as like questioning, like, how is this possible? How is he even doing this? I look at it like he's angry. I look at it like Burr is, how do you do this? Why do you, why do you do this? How can this be possible? Why? You're making everything crazy. Why? That's the way that I interpret it. Would you agree with that interpretation? I just see it as you're doing everything wrong and yet you're still getting ahead of me. Like yes. everything that I know to be wrong, you do and you make it big. Right. And like, is it is that anger or is that just befuddlement? Is that acknowledgement? What do you think that is? Um, All of them makes me think <laughs> yeah. of like truly, truly passionate, talented musicians who sit and do the blood, sweat and tears and play at the gigs and do everything they're supposed to do. And then some wacko YouTube star who has to be auto tuned the entire time makes it big. Mm hmm. 
And they're sitting there saying, are you flipping kidding me? <laughs> Mind you, Alexander Hamilton had the blood, sweat, and tears. Has He's a genius. Mm-hmm. Like, he is not a stupid YouTube star. Like, he was not. Seriously. Like, this guy, from the get-go, put in the blood, sweat, and tears. But this is how Burr sees him. Right. Right. I, I totally agree. And, and that's the thing. That's the thing. It's because of this main goal that they are trying to compete for. And that is what I think makes an antagonist and antagonist relationship the most important thing, the main goal of which they're fighting over. And that is usually the same thing. It may be different styles, like we said, but it's the same thing. Thanos wants to save the universe. So do the Avengers. Thanos wants to snap. The Avengers need to stop Thanos. Mm-hmm. That is the same goal. They're fighting for the for the for the fate of the universe. Um, and here, I think Hamilton has the same goal as Burr, which is legacy. It's legacy. It's trying to find your place. Who lives? Who dies? Who tells your story? <sighs> and. Burr wants his legacy because his parents died and they left him with nothing but a legacy to protect. And Alexander wants a legacy. That's pressure, man. But he has to he has to find it and he has to create it. And part of that legacy is keeping his good name. But the problem is is that he has Burr fighting against him eventually because Burr becomes jealous. He becomes jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> he becomes jealous of Hamilton for that. How do you write like you're running out of time? And then this is when we start to get into the real, the real, the meat of it. It's called coffee. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> um, they have their own legacy. And they're fighting for ways to find their own legacy. And it happens in the room where it happens. And I wanted what I got when you got skin in the game, you stay in the game. But you don't get a win unless you play in the game. Oh, you get love for it. You get hate for it. You get nothing if you wait for it, wait for it, wait. God help and forgive me. I want to build something that's going to outlive me. What do you want, Burr? What do you want, Burr? What do you stand for nothing, Favorite part. I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. Right here. I wanna be oh. in the room where it happens, the room Feel it. Where it Feel it. <laughs> so that is this is the crux. This, Literally my favorite part. This is the crux of their you entire relationship. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. It's okay. I didn't want to go for a whole time. I was gonna start time. dancing. Um the, the crux of their relationship is Alexander is fighting to create something that will outlive him. It's fighting to create something bigger than him. Mm-hmm. I want it to outlive me. Burr is saying, I just want to be in the room where it happens. I want the fame for the fame. I want the thing for the thingness. I want that. I just want the power. And Hamilton even asks him, if you stand for nothing, Burr, what do you fall for? If you, What do you want, Burr? What do you want? And his immediate response is, I want to be in the room where it happens. I just want to be in the room where it happens. 
And it's at this point, these two, because not only do the goals have to be the same when it comes to the antagonist, mm-hmm. and we have clearly established that it's the same. It's the legacy. But the antagonist and the protagonist, they have to push each other. Yep. They have to push each other to make choices. And those choices have to reveal who they really are on the inside. Mm-hmm. They have to motivate each other. They have to, because Burr is the one that makes the narrative go forward constantly. He is the one pushing it. He is the one talking about it. And nothing makes more um, more push than after all of the stuff with Mariah, Ren- Mariah Reynolds. And they discover, oh my God, we know how to get to Hamilton we know how to get to him like he's Burr's jealous and he's discovered a way and what what's it like to have Washington on your side well we can nullify that and we can nullify Hamilton because not only do you have to push but the antagonist the antagonist has to take the greatest strength of the protagonist and it has to make it a weakness and what is Tell me, what do you think is Hamilton's greatest strength? Arrogance. Right. Well, his strength. What's oh. his, his greatest strength? <laughs> uh, his greatest strength is drive. Right. His drive. It's his want. You agree? Of, yes, I do. Oh. It's his want. It's his want of legacy. And you know what Bird does? Like any good antagonist. Yeah. This is why he is perfect as an antagonist. This is why the play really should be called Burr because he takes that drive. He takes that want and he makes it Hamilton's greatest weakness. Yes, I have reason for shame, but I have not committed treason and sullied my good name. As you can see, I have done nothing to provoke legal action. All my answers to your satisfaction. My God. Gentlemen, let's go. So, but people won't know what we know. Burr, how do I know you won't use this against me the next time we go toe-to-toe? Alexander, rumors only grow. And we both know what we know. This is an incredible line. It's an incredible line because it tells Alexander, dude, rumors are rumors, man, and we know what we know. It doesn't matter if we don't say it. People are going to find out. And your legacy is going to be crushed. And what does that, what does that push Alexander to do? Come on out, it, Reynolds pamphlet. It pushes him to ruin his career, ruin his marriage, ruin everything in his life. Dumb for the sake of his legacy. Oh, so dumb. It's something that Alexander, someone who was very smart, who was like like genius level smart, would never do. But he believes that he's doing the right thing by writing the Reynolds pamphlet. And it completely changes his life. But it's not just that kind of pressure that makes Hamilton change his life. No, in in fact, Hamilton gets motivation from Burr as well. He gets motivation to change the way that he runs his life. 
and the way that he gets deals done. And it's at this point that when Burr finally really gets jealous of him, it's af- it's after it's when the room it's it's during the room where it happens, mm-hmm. and it and it comes like in this. Ah, Mr. Secretary. Mr. Burr. Sir. Did you hear the news about good old General Mercer? No. You know Claremont Street? Yeah. They renamed it after him. The Mercer legacy is secure. Sure. And all he had to do was die. Yeah, that's a lot less work. We ought to give it a try. Huh. Now how you gonna get your debt plan through? I guess I'm gonna finally have to listen to you. There you Julie. go. Talk less. Smile more. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get my plan on the Congress floor. So Burr motivates Hamilton too. I mean, he motivates him in in certain ways. Burr is the one who gave Hamilton the advice to succeed, mm-hmm. which then makes Burr jealous. And then he does the stuff with Mariah Reynolds and that amazing line of telling you, telling Hamilton, this is going to be bad for you without actually telling mm-hmm. him. He doesn't really. He doesn't come on explicitly say, "Yeah, I'm still going to use it," but he does it anyway because he's finally going to take things into his own hands, and that's what Burr gets from Hamilton. Well, if it isn't Aaron Burr, sir, Alexander, you've created quite a stir, sir. I'm going door to door. You're openly campaigning. Sure, that's new. Honestly, it's kind of draining, Burr, sir. Is there anything you wouldn't do? No, I'm chasing what I want. And you know what? What? I learned that from you. And these two are are just going toe-to-toe constantly. And they're pushing each other left and right, back and forth. It's a rubber band. It's The rubber band is being pulled and pulled and pulled and then released. But pulled and pulled even further. You know how when you stretch a rubber band really far and then you release it, it still it has a little bit more give each time. It has a little bit more room to be stretched. It's like my scrunchies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Each time, each time these guys make each other do something that they wouldn't normally do, the perfect antagonist protagonist relationship, that rubber band stretches, and finally. Finally, these two snap. Mm-hmm. They snap. And it's each other's actions that make them snap. At this point, do you find Burr to be um, an equal opponent of Hamilton? Did you, did you find Burr to be an equal opponent of Hamilton in the play? Yes. In... Can you describe why? Um, he's very. He was very, very smart. Yep. Had it not been for Hamilton, Burr probably would have been a much bigger player inside our country's history. Yep. It seems that whenever he was pushed aside or something did derail him, it was Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And there aren't many other people like that in the Founding Fathers era. Sure. You know what I mean? That didn't necessarily get to shine. It's not... Um, no, I, I do. I, I mean, both of them, they were neck and neck in so many ways. And when they are neck and neck and they have this relationship with each other, they're pulling their rubber band, they're relaxing it, pulling it, relaxing it, making moves, making choices. They're they're telling you who they are. And it's at, at after this point, Hamilton's son has died. 
we have gone through the election of 1800. Burr has become, the, uh, it runs for, for president, but he fails. Mm-hmm. He becomes the vice president. And Jefferson wants to change the rule because he hates Burr so much, at least within the story. Mm-hmm. And Burr gets his way out. He gets kicked out just like how he was kicked out with Washington. Jefferson kicks out Burr. And this is, there's one song that is the perfect representation of the entire conflict between the two. Do you want to know what that song is? Yeah. It is this. How does Hamilton, an arrogant immigrant orphan bastard whore's son, somehow endorse Thomas Jefferson, his enemy? A man he's despised since the beginning, just to keep me from winning. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> Them's fighting words. Oh boy, the, oh, this is the one that excites me. I know. I, I get I, my blood pumps. It boils when I hear this. Not boils, but it just it might get my heart rate goes up. The, 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 the motivation has turned from legacy, mm-hmm. and it has turned from I want to be in the room where it happens to vitriol for Hamilton because Hamilton does not endorse Burr Burr. as president. Correct. And all of these things, all of the things that made them similar in the beginning with the orphans uh, growing up, up and comers, now Burr sees or chooses to see the problems that mm. Hamilton has caused him, and it, he chooses to see the worst things. How a, a, an arrogant immigrant whore's son? He he is the one who's getting in my way. I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens, the room where it happens. You've kept me from the room where it happens for the last time. Okay, you, you, me? No, not not you, but you, you Hamilton, you have kept me yes. from the room where yes. it happens for the last time. Yes, you. It's not. It's not the legacy thing anymore. No. It's not. It's not. I want to be in the room where it happens, but just for the sake of the thingness. It is you yes. have prevented this from me. And and Burr goes stir crazy it is now it's not just it's not that just that they're buddies who don't get along anymore the the stakes have now risen to to, to, nemesis level they they are the stakes are so personal they hamilton has made a profound and indescribable impact on burr's life at this Mm. point this is what burr this is what Burr is thinking. And this is, again, why the play could be called Burr. Because not only does Burr serve as an antagonist for Hamilton, Hamilton is just as much of an antagonist as Burr. Yeah. To, to Burr. Yeah. And you could define both of them in this antagonist mm-hmm. role. And that's why I feel like Burr has the same, just about the same amount of lines, just about the same. He has the best songs throughout the whole uh, play, in my opinion. He is the one who changes the most. It's all because of Hamilton. Dear Alexander, I am 
slow to anger But I toe the line As I reckon with the effects of your life on mine I look back on where I failed And in every place I checked The only common thread has been your disrespect Now you call me immoral A dangerous disgrace If you've got something to say Name a time and place Face to face I have the honor to be Your obedient servant A. Burr Okay This is incredible because now it's come to it's either him or me. That's it. It's it's him or me. And everything I've done in my life has come down to what I've tried to do. I'm the original. I'm an inimitable. I'm the only one I can control. This is my life. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. It, it goes from that to you. Everywhere I've failed, I've checked. And it's you at the center of it, Alexander. And now this world is going to be changed. I can no longer go forward. I cannot take this anymore. It's either you or me. This is when it gets so dangerous, man. And you are going to die if you don't. Mr. Vice President, I am not the reason no one trusts you. No one knows what you believe. I will not equivocate on my opinion. I have always worn it on my sleeve. Even if I said what you think I said, you would need to cite a more specific grievance. Here's an itemized list of 30 years of disagreements. Sweet Jesus. Hey, I am not the child. I am just a guy in the public eye trying to do my best for our republic. I don't want to fight, but I won't apologize for doing what's right. I have the honor to be. Your obedient servant, A. Ham. Okay. Hamilton says, listen, I'm just a guy. I'm doing whatever I can for my republic. Again, this is going back to this to this issue between the two. Burr sees Hamilton as the problem. Mm-hmm. Burr sees Hamilton as the, the thing that affects his Which kept legacy. Which him out of the room where it happens. It's yes. his own legacy that's being affected. And Hamilton is saying, I don't, listen, whatever you said, whatever I did, it happened, sure, fine. Crazy. You're, whatever. I'm just trying to do, Hamilton is still looking for the thing that is bigger than him. I'm looking out for my republic. Whatever it is, even if you, even if I said what you think I said, I don't know. Just figure it out, dude. You're gonna what need. Else, you're gonna man? need to be more. I'm just trying to do the best for the republic. Careful how you proceed, good man. Intemperate indeed, good man. Answer for the accusations I lay at your feet, or prepare to bleed, good man. Burr, your grievance is legitimate. I stand by what I said, every bit of it. You stand only for yourself. It's what you do. I can't apologize because it's true. That's, that's it. That's the crux. You stand for yourself. I can't apologize because it's all true. Yikes. And oh, oh, it just sent shivers up me just thinking about it. These two cannot coexist anymore. Whether you believe it or not, mm-hmm. whether history true, proves it to be true or not, they cannot coexist in the same fashion. And again, Hamilton is looking for something bigger than him. Burr is self-motivated only for, because of his selfish actions. And Burr is no longer going to take it. And again, it's the same goal, just different ways. And they are in total conflict. Stand, Alexander. We hawking dawn. Guns drawn. You're on. I have the honor to be your obedient servant. A. Ham. A. Burr. 
So that is the the conclusion of their their conflict. Well, the beginning, well, the climax of their conflict. And it's not just against Burr, by the way. Burr is the one forcing Hamilton to still make choices. Mm-hmm. And he forces Hamilton to make a choice that highlights what Hamilton really is. Hamilton, yes, his son has died and he lost his wife, but his wife and he have reconciled. He makes Hamilton make a choice. What do you mean? You mean the choice of life? The choice between his family and life versus his legacy versus his beef with Burr. And this is why Burr is perfect. Burr is perfect because he, he just like wiggles that little knife on in. Because he knows how he, to get him. Because he he makes Hamilton mm-hmm. the guy that we all remember, the guy who dies, the guy who died too quick, the guy who probably could have done a lot of good but didn't. Yep. Hamilton chooses that. It's his legacy. He chooses the legacy, and they fight and they do the whole thing and they have the duel. And obviously, Burr shoots Hamilton, and Ham- and Hamilton becomes the historical figure that we all remember. But the choice that Burr makes is also for his legacy. His legacy is, I need to get rid of Hamilton. If Hamilton is gone, I will become the man that I want to be. Mm. I will become the man I envisioned. And I have waited for this for my entire life. I have done everything right. I've put up with Hamilton's crap. I've put up with being not being in the room where it happens. I've put up with being the vice friggin' president to Thomas Jefferson, the Francophile that nobody cares about, that Hamilton endorsed. And I was kicked out of the room again. And my whole political career will come to an end if I don't get rid of Hamilton. And he finally, he does. But you know what the problem is? Is he kills him. He kills him. And in doing so, Burr ruins his own legacy. Death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes. History obliterates in every picture it paints. It paints me in all my mistakes. When Alexander aimed at the sky, he may have been the first one to die. But I'm the one who paid for survived but I paid for it now I'm the villain in your history I was too young and blind to see I should have known I should have known the world was wide enough wide enough for both Hamilton and me. Hamilton has made a profound impact, like I said, on Burr, and Burr has made a profound impact on Hamilton. The choices that they make define who they are as characters, but they also push the plot forward throughout the entire show and culminates in this final moment, this final uh, epiphany, this final realization. What did I do? I've ruined everything. I've created my own hell. And I've martyred Hamilton. And it's this moment, this this moment of... Not great. Why, again, I think why... Oh, yeah, sorry. Hold on. You, you know what? You are right. Not great, Bob. No. Nope. Uh, it's this reason why this play should be called Burr. 
because Burr starts off as someone who is waiting, someone who is taking his life into his, he is letting his life go. I, mean, I disagree. I'm glad it's called Hamilton, but continue. Right, right, right. Well, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I agree that it's, I'm, I agree that ultimately yeah. it's called Hamilton, but it could be called Burr and it should be called Burr, I think sometimes because Burr. It should be called Hamilton slash you're the worst, Burr. <laughs> um, Burr starts one way and ends in a completely different way. He starts by waiting and allowing life to happen and being patient and not saying anything, not coming out in the public, not doing the things that Hamilton does. Hamilton is the exact opposite. Burr finally changes. He does what he's supposed to do. He does come out and he does make uh, accusations and he does take Hamilton into his own hands and he, and he, and he, takes what he wants because he learns it from Hamilton and he makes a choice and the choice happens and it ruins him. If he, And that is the big change. That's the, the amazing change mm-hmm. of Hamilton, I mean of Burr. And Hamilton really stays the same throughout most of the show. Yes, he has a recognition that uh, his family is important and he loves Eliza and uh, she could be enough and everything, but Burr still pushes him to make that choice between his family, and legacy. And in the end, Hamilton shows you who he truly is. He's more concerned with legacy and his stature than his family, than his relationship with his newly reconciled wife. Burr makes him make that choice. God, Burr, you're the worst. And this is why, again, Burr is the is the perfect antagonist, the perfect antagonist for the, this show and is one of the most well-written characters, I think, in any story I've ever read. Um, I think he, because not only does he have this ambition of, of legacy and everything, but he's also doing it for his daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that great moment between the two when both Hamilton and Burr are singing about how their children are going to... Um, blow us all away and they're going to change the world and they're going to grow up with our young nation. Mm -hmm. Um, They're both singing at the same time. And that is by design, in my opinion, they're showing you that they have the same exact feelings and the same exact thoughts about their kids and their families and how they wish for them to grow up with the world. RIP Philip RIP. Right. And and Theodosia ends up dying anyway too, but later on after the, after the events of the play. I like to picture on the Titanic because that would be a very different, well actually that's still more so sad, but she sinks at sea, right? Uh, She does sink at sea. In fact, she does. So, and that's how she dies. Um, So that in a nutshell is why Burr is the perfect antagonist. She was only 29 when she was lost at sea. Really? Wow. Oh, goodness gracious. And, Poor thing. And that is the reason why it should be probably called Burr. Mary, where do you agree and disagree with this final thesis? Okay. I disagree that it should be or could be renamed Burr, <laughs> but um, because history had its eyes on Alexander Hamilton. Once mm-hmm. again, if Hamilton wasn't there, none of this would have happened. Yep. Whereas if Burr was taken out of the equation, Alexander Hamilton would have been alive and I'm pretty sure that he still would have done great things. Sure. Terrible things. Terrible things. You're a wizard, Harry. Just kidding, guys. But that's a shout out for all my Harry Potter fans. Um, But great things nonetheless. Gosh, I can't get Alexander's voice out of my head. Great things. Terrible things. Okay, sorry. Um, (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm getting nerd sweats. Stop. Stop. 
But as I said, all of these things would have still happened. If not, many more things would have happened for greatness for Alexander Hamilton. He probably would have been one of our presidents. It wouldn't have mattered as much if Burr was taken out of the equation. But that um, couldn't say the same. Sure. Vice versa. So I, I, I just I think that this relationship between the two is what makes this play so fantastic. They both start one way, they end a certain way, and the journey that these two find each other on and how they intersect. And you know, we, we've given you here a very brief description of, of, mm-hmm. of the entire relationship, but how they weave in and, out, in and out of each other's lives, pushing certain buttons, making each other make certain choices, doing certain things that they would normally and otherwise never do uh, to both of them. Uh, it's the perfect relationship in any kind of um, in any kind of story that I've that I've ever written. I'm sorry, written a read or watched. I oh, this is why I wanted to do this podcast, man. This episode, this was it. Oh, I'm so excited. All right, my love, are you ready to close this bad boy out? Do you got anything else to say about this? No, I'm feeling good, man. All right, let's do it. You'll be back soon. You'll see. You remember you belong to me. You'll be back. Time will tell You remember that I served you well Oceans rise, empires fall (laughs) We have seen each other through it all And when push comes to shove I will send a fully armed battalion To remind you of my love So, that's it my friends (laughs) Yes, that, that is the end um, you can find all of our stuff at maryandblake.com you can check us out on social media Mary and Blake and if you'd like to become a patron of Mary and Blake you can just go to Outlander Cast Clan Gathering uh, I'm sorry the OutlanderCastClan.com and the OutlanderCastClan no it's, it Outla- it's OutlanderCastClan.com you just said like 50 million website addresses I did, I did. and these people are listening up. they're probably driving maybe at the gym and they're like just jabroni. I can't keep up. <laughs> Outlandercastclan.com. Or you can just head over to Mary and Blake. You'll find it out there. This, of course, is a fun, really fun episode because we're talking about the character that we love to hate and we want to know your opinion. So after you listen to this, if you're still here, send us a message. Let us know how you feel about Burr. Yes, if you think Burr's, if you, if you think that it should be called Burr, tell me why. If you don't think that it should be called Burr, tell me why. And if you really just happen to really like him, I'd love to hear that too. Maybe we can kibitz and have fun and nerd out with His each other. Poor daughter. Poor thing. I know. I know. Oh, man. There's also another great part. Oh, my too. God. Gilbert Stewart did a painting of her. She looks so sad. Look at her. <laughs> she is sad. Oh, that poor thing. Oh, man. R. Poor, R. poor man. Theodosia. Oh, she was married to a wealthy landowner who was the governor of South Carolina. Wow. Okay. That's good. But yes. I, I would think so. At least she got money. That's oh, all that matters. But, man. Not a great life. Poor thing. No. Poor, poor thing. You know, I kind of hope that, like, she got lost at sea, but she ended up in Bermuda mm-hmm. and just had ravenous sex with some, like, <laughs> man there who fed her coconuts and caught her fish, and they, like, sang Moana together. <laughs> Keeping in line with the Lin Manuel Miranda. Wait, there's a romantic legend involving piracy and a Karakanawa Indian chief on the Texas Gulf okay, Coast. Okay, okay, <gasps> all right, all right. Oh my right. gosh, guys, she might have had a very lovely life after all. For now, I'm Mary. My name is Blake. Rise up. That's what Theodosia said to that chief. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs>